This is the sermon podcast of Lord of Life Lutheran Church in Columbus, Ohio, where we proclaim God's extravagant grace, radical inclusion, and relentless compassion. Join us for worship Sundays at 8 a.m., 9 a.m., or 11.15 a.m. For more information, please visit our website at www.acceptingall.com. The Holy Gospel according to Luke, the 13th chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. At that very hour, some Pharisees came and said to Jesus, Get away from here. Herod wants to kill you. Jesus said to them, Go and tell that fox for me. Listen, I'm casting out demons, performing cures today and tomorrow, and on the third day I'll finish my work. Yet today, tomorrow, and the next day, I must be on my way, because it is impossible for a prophet to die outside of Jerusalem. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, city that kills prophets and stones those whom God sends you. How often I have desired to gather your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings. And you are not willing. See, your house is left to you. And I tell you, you will not see me until the time comes when you say, Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. The Gospel of the Lord. Grace and peace be yours from Jesus, our beloved. Amen. I got an email from the ELCA Advocacy Office. You might not even know that we have something like that. Caught my eye because of the subject line. The subject line said, My God versus your God. Uh, we're in the middle of a Lenten series right now, focusing on the first article of the Nicene Creed. We believe in one God. An email referenced last week's second reading, uh, for there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. There is one Lord of all, and is generous to all who call on him, Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And then it asks this question. What if we as Christians did not fall into the temptation to believe that my God is not your God? It wondered out loud what would happen, brace yourself for this, if we changed scripture to read There is no distinction between Democrat and Republican. Same Lord is Lord of all, generous to all who call on him. And then this provocative line, we are called to model the notion that we're all children of one God and that God loves each and every one of us. Wow. We did an inclusion exercise in our small groups this week during Lent. First question in the process, uh, uh, as predicted, it, it, it nets a different kind of discussion. The first question was, what are your go-to words or your first images that come to mind for what you mean when you say God? And the truth is that each one of us probably sees God just a little bit different. One God, many images. Every time I think of icebreakers like that, I'm always thankful for Lord Krieger teaching me the value of icebreakers because this is how it works. 
you say we're going to do an icebreaker, everybody rolls their eyes. And then it brings us together in a positive way. The classic icebreaker is, if you were an animal today, what animal would you feel like? Well, uh, in four verses, Jesus uses not one, not two, but three animal references. That's somewhat unusual. One to describe Herod, one to describe Jerusalem and its inhabitants, really, and really us, and one to describe, well, God. The Herod one is really pretty easy. Uh, I grew up in the suburbs, but even I know what the reputation of a fox is. If someone said they saw a fox in your neighborhood, everybody brought their children inside. Ancient Aesop fables, a fox is always the crafty, cunning one. You, 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 you know the phrase, sly as a fox. Uh, pretend that you're innocent, pretend that you're not concerned, but in a moment's notice, ready to destroy. And Jesus says, Herod is a fox. It's been playing like background music throughout the entire Gospel of Luke, even to the point that in this reading, even the Pharisees understand what's going on and come to warn Jesus. Herod wants to kill you. He's waiting to kill you. Herod was that kind of person, that kind of leader. He played the I'm a Jew card, even though he had no public piety. He told people he loved hearing John the Baptist and all the great crowds, and in a moment's notice he had his head cut off and put on a silver platter. He wanted to meet Jesus right there at the end of the Gospel of Luke, but he only wanted to see him do a few tricks. You probably know, if you're of a generation like mine, Godspell. Prove to me that you're no fool. Just go ahead and walk across my swimming pool. Second animal image, Jesus describes the people of Jerusalem as a brood of chicks. I, I didn't grow up on a farm, that's for sure, but I did have some chicks. Um, my sons actually had some ducks, got them the same way, Tom and Frenzy. This is really hard to imagine of a certain generation, but um, it was an Easter thing. Uh, and they would take these little chicks and they would dye them colors, dip them into dye. And then you go to the grocery store, you go to the drugstore, and you buy these little chicks, you take them home in your Easter basket. But lo and behold, the darn things grew up to be chickens. <laughs> I can tell you this about chickens. They're not the smartest thing running around the barnyard. They're the exact opposite of a fox. They're not all that clever. They're easily scattered, easily flustered. You say boo, they fault. Easily frightened. And you know a phrase that best describes them. Chickens running around with their heads chopped off. And Jesus says, God has been calling you, Jerusalem, cooing after you, trying to gather you into one, you little chickies. But you're too busy, and you're too distracted, you're too led by your appetites, you're too afraid to take notice. And then there's the image of the hen Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how often I have desired to gather your children like a hen gathers her brood on her wings, and you were not willing. Let me make sure, if you haven't figured out already, that we're going to play with the image of God today. And that one way that happens is by noting the use of a feminine image for God. And to the degree that we confess Jesus reveals the essential character of God, Jesus' use of a feminine image of God is important. So here's a provocative question. 
If Jesus can describe himself and God as a mother hen, can't we employ a variety of images to describe God? Scripture does it all the time. Just a quick, quick view of the feminine image of God. In Deuteronomy, God's described as a mother eagle, flying, protecting her young. Hosea, God is a fierce mother bear. In Isaiah, not once but twice, God is a mothering, giving birth God. And in chapter 49, an image that every young mother knows, dangling her children at her waist, sucking at her breasts. The older I get, the more I just realize and confess what it does to only describe God in male language. King, Father, that's the world I grew up in, and so did many of you, and it impoverished our understanding of God. What you ought to set up if you're fast enough in this dialogue to say, well, how is it that we keep using Father, Son, and Holy Spirit? Well, we do it for a variety of reasons. It's a historical term. We do it for a sense of continuity throughout the whole church and the church Catholic. We do it in solidarity with a diverse church. We do it knowing that there are no words anyway that work fully, that completely describe a God. And we don't do it because we think God is male. We believe in one God, Father Almighty, creator of all that is seen and unseen. Jesus says, and play with this for a little while, my dad is like a mother. My dad is like a mother hen, guarding and loving and protecting and gathering. Let me say that again, because I don't, I don't think words can do justice to that idea. The word that Jesus uses for his father is mother. How rich this imagery is. That mother hen, God, wants to gather us all up in the safety of her outstretched wings. Pull us in, warm and secure and close to the very beating heart of God. Save. We heard it last week in the midst of all of our healing prayers. Come to me, all of you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Frankly, my dad wasn't very good at that, but my mom was. It's not saying that nothing bad will ever happen. It's a promise that whatever does happen to us, whatever pain, whatever problems, whatever plagues, whatever fears we face, whatever sin is assailing us, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we will not be defenseless and left on our own because our God is a mother hen gathering us. Because God's holy wings protect us. One of the great things about serving in a country parish right out of seminary for a suburban kid was that every time, and there are a lot of these horticultural examples in Scripture, every time that I would try to elaborate onto a whole congregation full of farm folks, there would always be one or two or three people who were quick to meet with me after church and tell me I didn't know what I was talking about. <laughs> one of my first and best mentors was Olaf Petzl. Among other things, and this is not big corporate farming, Olaf raised all kinds of things, but he raised chickens and he sold the eggs. Sold them to a company called Kroger. And Olaf loved, Kroger had an advertising thing called Cackling Fresh Eggs. Olaf would say, they pick my eggs up every two weeks, drive them up to St. Louis, wash them, put them in cartons, put them in the refrigerator for another couple weeks, drive them back down here and they sit in your store for another three weeks. The only thing cackling is the cash register. Olaf told me after this text, about a time one of his grandfather's hen houses burned to the ground when he was a kid, Barbara Brown Taylor tells a very similar story to this, which is why I recall it. 
He and his grandfather are out cleaning up the wreckage, and that's a pretty gruesome image, and I'm not going to go too far there, parents. The job is to scoop them up and put them in the wheelbarrow. And Olaf comes to one hen lying in the doorway of the hen house, feathers singed, neck limp, and he bends down to pick it up, and it moves. But it wasn't the hen, it was the chicks that were underneath the hen that she had died to save. Insulated by the shelter of her wings, she died to save him. Your father in heaven, your mother in heaven, knows when you're hurting, knows when you are in danger, when you're suffering, knows when your life is good, knows when you're prospering, knows how blessed you are, knows you struggle with the whole my God versus your God thing, knows words can't ever really cut it, and that it's not about words anyway. She knows that you are prone to run around with your head chopped off. How often I would have gathered you, but you would not. It's a really intriguing text today, especially in the context of we believe. We believe. What is it we believe? We don't, we don't have enough words. We don't have the right words to describe all that we believe about God. And that is the wisdom of the Nicene fathers. Why have we got that big long creed? Because the little one wasn't enough. Throw some more words at it. Maybe that'll help. We believe in one God Father Almighty, one mother hen, loving creator of all that is and seen and unseen. I, I know that this can open up a can of worms, which by the way, that's another animal illustration. But it does my heart good to picture Jesus sent by God like all the prophets before him, knowing he's about to be stoned, knowing he's about to be killed, and looking across the valley at Jerusalem and pouring out his heart, the very heart of God, and saying, Oh, how I want to gather you. God's wings are broad enough and big enough and strong enough to include all of us. All of God's little chickies. And keep us all safe. In the shadow of her wings, we are saved. Amen.